You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 252. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great show for you again this week. The Game of Roses podcast host, Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace, are joining us for yet another appearance from the pit. The people who run the pit, Chad and Lizzie, are going to be on again. This is, I think, the third time on the podcast. Um, they've got a book coming out. You can pre-order it. We're going to get into all that stuff, talk to them momentarily. Obviously, the biggest story to break, and I'm so glad that we were able to talk to... We recorded yesterday, about two hours after the news broke about the next Bachelor. So, you know, I've talked about it numerous times on this podcast that I book my podcast week to week. I usually record Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, one or two days before the podcast goes up, because I always feel like I'm going to miss out on something breaking, and then my podcast is going to feel a little bit uh, outdated because we're not going to be able to talk about the certain topic. If that were to happen, I would talk about it in my open, but couldn't go over it with the guest. We lucked out yesterday. We recorded about two hours after we were set to record, two hours after uh, the news broke about the next Bachelor. And if you don't know the news just yet, last Thursday, it was reported by a couple outlets that the next Bachelor was going to be coming from Michelle's season, one of her guys. And... That was the first I'd heard of it. I was out of town, obviously. I was in Vegas, and I wrote on my Twitter, like, this is news to me. I hadn't heard this. So, you know, all weekend I'm trying to figure, find out, you know, who it possibly could be. And then yesterday, E! Online ran with the story. They had pictures of Clayton Eckerd. Eckerd, Etchard, I don't know how we pronounce it yet. We'll find out soon enough. But he was filming in Missouri we know that um, I know that the women leave next week. Filming for Clayton's season begins at the end of next week. Um, this isn't coincidental that he's shooting his intro video. This has nothing to do with Michelle's season. Her season is over filming. They wouldn't be filming anything with Clayton for Michelle's season now, considering it doesn't even start for another airing for another month. So for those thinking that, well, maybe this is a, a you know a switcheroo or something like that, are they going to? pull the wool out from uh, pull the rug out from under people and it's going to surprise us with somebody else. No, that's not it. Because after the pictures came out, um, I saw the confirmation that I needed that this isn't some sort of switch up and, you know, multiple intro videos for multiple guys are being filmed and this was just one of them. And no, uh, Clayton's the next bachelor. You, he starts filming next week and, but Michelle season doesn't start airing until, October 19th, so it's going to be different, uh, and we talk about this in the podcast today. It's definitely different. You know, when you all asked me at the end of Katie's season who I thought would be the next Bachelor, who was in the running, and some of you even said, do you think it's one of Michelle's guys? And I said, I just don't see how that's possible. We wouldn't. They'd be giving away one of their guys, but clearly to them, that's not a big deal. It's never happened before. That's why I just didn't think they would go with it, but I guess when you're 44 seasons in, you got to change things up and keep things fresh. And this is something interesting. So while Michelle's season, people will be tuning in in October when it starts to see how Michelle does, 
this is almost like a marketing tool as not only are you getting to see Michelle's season, you're getting to watch your new Bachelor and how he did on Michelle's season. Not necessarily where he placed. I guess it doesn't matter where he placed. I don't know where he placed yet. I haven't found out. But I think this is more of a, hey, you get to see Michelle and you get to see your new Bachelor. Like the second he steps out of the limo, everyone's going to be going, yeah, that's our guy. That's who we have to watch this season with an extra you know, pay a little more attention to him because he's going to be the next Bachelor. And by the time Michelle's season starts filming or starts airing on October 19th, Clayton will be three weeks into filming his season. Like, they'll already be starting traveling by the time we even see Clayton on our screen. So it's definitely going to be different. But like I said, I think it's just something they, you know, something new, something fresh for them to do. And I guess good on them. They uh, they clearly kept it a secret for as long as they could. But uh, yesterday after... The picture broke. I was able to find out that today they are filming at Clayton's high school, his alma mater, which is Eureka High School in Missouri. They are going to be filming stuff there where the students there are like wishing him well as he goes off to be the bachelor. So um, that's happening today. Next week he goes to L.A. And what I have heard is that they are going to film at the mansion. They This season will be back at the mansion for the first Usually they do, what, three, four episodes. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, but it's never more than that um, that I remember. So they are going to film at the mansion. Where they travel after that is going to be domestically. I haven't heard yet where, but that's the plan. So we're going to get filming starting next Friday or Saturday night, 26th, 27th, sometime around then. And, And then they'll leave probably... Um, the first, let's see, 20, let's see if they start next Friday night, then the dates will start, uh, Sunday, the 28th, 29th, 30th, um, will be the, uh, and then the October 1st will be the first rose ceremony. Second, third, fourth, fifth will be the second rose ceremony or excuse me, the third rose ceremony and probably leave after that. Yeah. So if they do three episodes in LA, so that's what you're looking at. Don't know much about Clayton, former, uh, Missouri football player, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, practice squad player, uh, had some time with the Seahawks. He's a uh, orthopedic sales rep for what striker is the name of the company that I saw on his LinkedIn. You know, since the announcement, he had less than a thousand followers since the announcement yesterday, um, that he was going to be the bachelor. When I, um, look at him now, let me pull it up real quick, but this is, you know, I'm recording this part at 10 15, uh, Wednesday night. I'm sure by the morning he's going to have more. But as of 10.15 Wednesday night, he's gone from less than 1,000 to 11,900. So he's gained uh, 11,000 followers pretty much in the last uh, six hours or so. And I'm sure he'll have more by tomorrow. Not much to gain off of his Instagram. His bio says former freestyle rapper and washed-up athlete now trying his luck in orthopedic sales. He's got 33 posts. Looks like he has both parents still alive. He's got two brothers. Not much to gain from his um, from his Instagram. Don't know much about him, and I don't know why the choice was made other than because they can. And uh, obviously, he's going to get a great edit on Michelle's season. I'm sure he's not involved in too much of the drama. He's certainly not going to be a villain. Uh, but what happens to him on Michelle's season? How far he lasts? That I don't know just yet. Hoping to find that out. Uh, in the coming weeks before Michelle's season starts. But uh, he's your bachelor. Clayton Eckerd, 28 years old, went to Eureka High School and lives in, I think he lives in 
I don't know if he still lives in Eureka. Maybe he lives in St. Louis. I can't remember what his bio said, but sometimes the bio doesn't isn't where they really live. So they like putting their like where they grew up. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. You know, I mean, obviously people have their thoughts already and some people shitting all over him, even though they don't even know how he walks, talks, chews gum, how he dates, how he speaks to women, like nothing. But everyone's already formed an opinion anyway. So what's the point? <laughs> like, this is the world we live in. Um, you got to have a take four seconds after something happens without knowing anything. Um, let's just see how the guy goes. Like, let's just see. Maybe he's great. Maybe he'll suck. And you can say, told you so. Great. I don't know how you could say you told you so when you don't know anything about him, but I'm sure people will. It's the way things work. But I have no idea how this guy's going to be as The Bachelor. I know nothing about him, and 99.99999% of this audience doesn't either. The only people that know anything about Clayton are the guys on his season, Michelle, production, and his friends and family. That's a very, very small percentage of people. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I have All I care about is that there's another season. I've never cared who got the gig, and um, it would have been interesting to see Greg because I know that would have ruffled some people's feathers, and it would have been fun watching them have a conniption. Uh, but it's not Greg. We move on. It's Clayton Eckard, and we'll see where it goes from here, and we'll see how the season goes. But, um, yeah, um, that starts filming uh, next week. So let's get going. Without any further ado, podcast number 252 with Game of Roses podcast hosts Chad and Lizzie. Okay, let's bring them in. You know them uh, from their podcast, Game of Roses podcast, that has really taken off in the last year or so. It is Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace from the Game of Roses podcast. How are you guys doing? Hello. Thank you for having us. Doing yeah. all right. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, first things first, latest news that dropped earlier today. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon, so um, about a couple hours ago, um, there were pictures that were sent to E! Online. Cameras were caught filming. Uh, for those that don't want to know, I guess maybe skip this part, but, I mean, it's it's out there. You guys all have been asking me for the last, you know, two weeks, when's the Bachelor announcement coming? Who is it? Is it Greg? Is it Andrew? Is it Michael? Um, then late last week, news broke that um, a couple outlets reported that The Bachelor was going to be one of Michelle's guys, but it wasn't mentioned who. It just said that there was good sources that said it's going to be one of Michelle's guys. Well, Pictures got out um, earlier this afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, of, of a guy shooting in his hometown what looked to be an intro video, and he is reporting that this is probably your guy. And, um, you know, I've been told filming begins next weekend. The women start flying out beginning of next week. The timing certainly adds up, looking like Clayton Etchard is going to be our next Bachelor. So without much to go off, we'll start with you, Chad. Um, early thoughts on this? I predict Clayton Eschert is going to be the next Bachelor. Yeah. Just from looking at this. I mean, you know, we usually do like a, a show at the beginning of every Bachelor and Bachelorette season where we go through all the Instagrams of all the incoming players for that upcoming season. And we make our predictions about who's going to make top four and ring win and, and who's going to be the crown, which is what we call the, the next Bachelor or Bachelorette. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to do that yet for Michelle Young's season. And this guy's already the Bachelor. So. <laughs> I have no idea, obviously, what he does on in season to warrant this, but whatever he's doing, he's playing the game correctly if he was able to, to land the spot. And he also came at like an interesting time where I think there were a lot of names being thrown around. 
for people from Katie Thurston's season and even like Peter Krause from seasons ago. Rachel Lindsay's season 13 of Bachelorette was being thrown around. And I think, at least from what I read, they offered it to some people and it fell through. So there might have been like a big shakeup and they were just frantic, like, what are we going to do? And they just pulled the trigger on this guy because they were like, he'll do or or whatever. He shows them something in the season, obviously, that's bachelor level. Yeah. Lizzie, what are your early thoughts on him uh, without knowing much? He looks like if you took an AI of all the faces of all the previous bachelors and put them together on average. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of the thing that I get. He just seems like somebody that would, they would pick for this role. I mean, mid, yeah. he's a white former college football player from middle America. Like there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, his Instagram bio says former freestyle rapper and washed up athlete. Now trying his luck in orthopedic sales. <laughs> and maybe he does some rapping. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, and that's the thing. It's really weird because I mentioned this today. I can only remember, and I might be forgetting one, but I can only remember two instances where the lead for the next season was announced before they were technically off a season that we were currently watching. Nick Vile was announced as The Bachelor while we were still watching him on Paradise, and it was the next week. It was the week before the finale when he ends up breaking up with Jen Saviano, and then uh, Rachel Lindsay was announced as the Bachelorette. I think a couple weeks before she was eliminated at Final Three on next season. So those are the only two that well, come to one mind. More. There's one more. Matt James <laughs> announced ten seasons yeah. before he was yeah. Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Announced before he even he was supposed to be a player in Claire Crawley's season. Yeah, and they announced him as Bachelor before that, so it superseded even his his intro to the game. But I'm just looking through his Instagram right now as all this news is breaking. And just from a young Brad Womack. Yeah, he does kind of, he only has 33 posts. His first post, his oldest post is from 2019. This to me looks like a very curated Instagram scrub, which is usually a sign of somebody who understands that going into the game is going to be a giant social media opportunity. So there's at least tagged in two photos. (laughs) well so here's the thing like with nick obviously we knew a ton about him with rachel Mm -hmm. we had watched you know up to that point eight nine episodes of her on nick's season even with matt james even though he did not appear on uh claire's season and he was announced as the bachelor at the beginning of june of 2020 you at least had time to go there were TikTok videos of him. We knew that he was Tyler Cameron's best friend. There was at least stuff out there. We'd seen mm-hmm. how he'd, you know, we'd seen how he talked, how he acted on, uh, you know, while while it may have been TikTok and kind of silly, but we had actually seen the guy. We had seen interviews. You know, when they when they officially announce Clayton as the Bachelor, we will have nothing on this guy outside of those thirty three posts on Instagram. You know. I mean, clearly yeah. friends and family know about him, but 99.999% of this audience has no idea. We don't know how this guy walks, how he talks, how he chews gum, mm-hmm. how he interacts with a woman, how he kisses, how he dates. We uh, Nothing, because by the time he starts oh. filming next week, you know, Michelle's season doesn't start airing until October 19th. He'll be three weeks into filming before we, we even do. see him on TV yet, you know? Weird. We do know how he lifts weights, though, because there are yeah. three videos on <laughs> his Instagram 
bench press, squats, and deadlifts. So you can check those out. But I do. This is a fascinating thing because, to my knowledge, there's never been a lead announced where we then get to watch them as a player, Correct. knowing that they're going to be the lead. So I do think, at the very least, if they announce this in the next week or two, um, you know, it's going to fuel, I believe, viewership for Michelle Young's season, which looks like a better season yeah. than the past three anyway, just based on the production quality of the promos they're putting out. But I mean, who's not going to tune into that season now? which might have had some trouble otherwise because it's in this off period. It's on Tuesday nights. But now it's like you're going to get to see the next Bachelor play. That's fascinating. And I think that's probably a reason why they maybe went this route. I mean, I, we don't really know what happened with the Greg negotiations and the Michael negotiations and whatnot. That could have been them stringing them along, and they had a plan the whole time of, hey, let's drum up interest in Michelle's season by naming the Bachelor from her season so people right. will, you know, tune in. Like I said, and I at this point, as we're recording this, I don't know how far Clayton even gets on Michelle's season. Um, I have no idea. I, 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 I don't think they're casting someone who went home night one. Certainly he has right. some sort of story we're going to see play out. He probably gets an early one-on-one, I'm assuming, uh, so we at least get to know him. But, you know, even if we don't, I guess it doesn't matter. He's our bachelor. So what I, I, the only thing I can guarantee is he's probably going to get a good edit. Like, they're not going to make it. He's certainly yeah. not a villain on Michelle's season. For sure going to get a good edit. And just my intuitions, my impulses, I don't know any of this. This is just my intuition. Is that <laughs> he's probably an early front runner, And I think, for my money, again, intuition, I would predict that something happens in the season that makes him have to eject. Some kind of tragedy happens at home. Something comes in from outside the game where he has to leave. And it's like he was robbed of this opportunity, but he was a front runner and everyone loved him. And so they make him the bachelor. I I'm going to predict a strong heartbreak at it instead. You think that Michelle Young is America's favorite, but Michelle gets rid of him top six. That's my prediction. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, right. we just don't know. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't know. I just think, I just found it interesting when this announcement came today, and I tweeted it out and put it on the, my Instagram stories. You guys did as well on the Game of Roses Instagram page. I just find it interesting, and this is kind of, this is what I mean when I call a certain section of the fans of this show Toxic Bachelor Nation, because the immediate response when you look at the replies is just to shit on this guy. Like, I have no idea if he's going to be a good bachelor or not. Maybe he'll suck. And then you can all say, you know, see, we told you after the fact, even though you're basing it on nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just this giant negativity, which I think obviously is just a lot of social media. Most people don't go on social media to compliment people. Um, but these are just not well-formed opinions about someone they don't even know, they haven't even seen on television yet. But I don't know. It just happens every season, and it's just—it's not going away. And this is just what the show has become. It's just shit on everybody as much as you can, and don't compliment anybody. And you know, for for this guy to you know have his name thrown out there today, probably going to be the Bachelor, and just to read some of the responses from people, it just—I don't get it. I, you don't know anything about him. Like maybe he's not your cup of tea, but. Good God, you haven't even, at least in the past, you could say when they named Colton or whoever, you had watched seasons of Colton. You had formed a pretty strong opinion. You know nothing about Clayton at this point. Nothing outside of his Instagram page. So it seems like any negative opinion is pretty superficial at this point since you haven't even heard the guy speak. It's just my thoughts. Yeah, or any opinion. I mean, that's we, we talk about this a lot in our um, show that 
all these relationships that we have with everybody in The Bachelor are parasocial. Like, obviously, we don't know any of these people, really. We just see them on screens. But because they are looking at us, like the, the picture that is now posted on everybody's Instagram page of this guy, Clayton, he's yeah. looking right at through the camera. And it gives your kind of sub psychological mind the impression that that's your friend, that he's looking at you. And so you do have some kind of like personal relationship with them. Maybe that spurs some of the comments. But yeah, I mean, we, we don't know what he's capable of in game yet, for sure. I'm very excited to see it, though. And I, I got to say, like. I know there was all the speculation about who the bachelor is and I had some misgivings about it being somebody from Michelle Young's season, but now that we're seeing him and it's like all happening, my brain is going crazy thinking about all the different permutations of what that means for gameplay and what that even means for us as what we call the fourth audiences, like people watching the show that we're now going to get a whole season to watch with knowing that he's the bachelor as he's play, like, he's going to come out of the limo and whatever limo exit. And we already know he's the bachelor. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. That'll be a, a super new experience, I think. And it's like the franchise right now sorely needs new stuff like this. Yeah. I personally, because it's like the past three seasons were hard to watch, hard to get through for a variety of reasons, all of which we know at this point. But I really feel like the Michelle Young season is like a turning point. It just from what we're seeing already, it looks so much better production value wise. It looks like they're really putting her on a pedestal like they used to do with Bachelorettes. And we know from some of the dates that have come out that are spoiled at this point that they're out in the big city doing very big public dates again. And it's not sequestered away at Nima Colon or Tamaya or La Quinta. Um, so I think this is like it's a fresh idea at the very least to announce the Bachelor before he's even played. And I'm I'm down with it. I'm curious to see how this goes for sure. Me too. I feel like it's going to like bring us back to OG bachelor days when the players come in and they don't know who this person is versus this person that they have studied and been able to like sort of mold their own brand in order to fit the bachelor. We're just going to see them all discovering it for the first time, which is going to be fascinating. I mean, we haven't had a bachelor that hasn't been on bachelorette or that we didn't know, like you're saying with Matt James since season 12, Matt Grant. Yeah. Like, ever been They've all come from Bachelorette or they've been people we know. Yeah. And even Matt James, I would argue, because of quarantine crew, like, I knew that dude pretty well. At least <laughs> I, I watched every fucking quarantine crew video that existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and I think it's, you know, this is, it's interesting. And when, when Katie's season was, I want to say whether it was airing or when it was ending, obviously when the Bachelorette season is airing and even when it ends, it's like, you know, we kind of know, we've kind of been taught or ingrained in our heads that the bachelor is probably coming from the previous season of the bachelorette. So obviously we were forming our opinions on the Michaels and the Greg's and the Andrews and even Justin's or whatever, even though I never really Ooh. thought Justin was a, was a, a player for bachelor. Carl. Yeah. <laughs> Carl. Um, so, and when I was talking about, you know, when I was first thinking about it of who's going to be, you know, people were asking me and I said, you know, people were asking, do you think it's one of Michelle's guys? And I said, no. I mean, I just I don't see how they could possibly do that unless they want to spoil their own season of. And I guess and and they they still are. I mean, like you said, when we when when Clayton walks out of the limo, no matter where he ends up on the show, we just know he's not winning. And they've never done that before. And I just didn't think they would ever go that route. But now that I think about it, there's nothing wrong with going that route. It's something new. And it's something that I just didn't think they would try. But now that they clearly have, I'm fine with it. And like you said, it is something fresh. It is something new. And 
Um, it makes it, it definitely gives people a reason to maybe tune in because not only are you watching the new Bachelorette season, you're getting to know our new Bachelor. And that's why I think, by the way, that it's going to be something from outside the game that comes in to interfere with his run in that season. Like if it was a heartbreak edit and he makes it pretty far, they would be actively spoiling their own season. I think he's going to be a player that shows immense promise, immense potential, and then gets cut short by something else. I, I, I truly feel that. Outside of top four, I can see them spoiling it. Yeah. I, honestly, yeah. Maybe you're right. I don't know. And I don't and I don't know who the top four is. I want to get a hometown, you know? Yeah. See his, meet his family. I, I don't know who the top four is, and I don't know um, – I know. I think I know two of them, but I I, I don't know the f- the four. Um, I I but when I'm thinking about this on how far Clayton made it, I don't think he's not one of the two that I know. He possibly could be the other two, but when I look at that again, I think that's I think that's going too far to where you would the show would spoil their own. Because let's just say Clayton made the final four. It's like okay. It, we know he's not winning. So now there's technically only a final three because we know Clayton doesn't win. It was only three options. I don't think they would do that on something like this. I kind of feel he's probably somewhere in the five to 10 range. If I had to guess, I'd say that's how far he lasts, but I have, I'm not doing this as a spoiler. I have no idea how far he gets, but if I had to guess, I'd say five to 10, fifth to 10th place is where he's probably finishing. And whether it's, you know what you said, Chad, you think it's something that takes him out of the game or as Lizzie said, just the ultimate heartbreak where the producers really think America's going to fall in love with this guy and it just wasn't there for Michelle, that could be it as well. I guess mm-hmm. we just don't know. A heartbreak edit is very powerful, as we saw with Michelle Young, as we're seeing on Bachelor in Paradise with Natasha. Well, I, I, the I, nation- I, wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you this in regards to Michelle and – you know, we can't go back and change it. Katie's already filmed her season. It's already aired. Michelle just filmed her season filming wrapped on Friday. It's about to air starting October 19th. Looking back on it now, the announcement at the after the final rose of Matt James season that we are going to get back to back bachelorette seasons of Katie Thurston first and then Michelle Young in the summer. I'll start with you, Lizzie. How do you how do you think that played out TV wise? for them now as we sit here mid-September about to embark on Michelle's season in about a month? I mean, I think when you're announcing that two people are going to have that position, you're automatically taking the oomph out of both of those seasons. And, you know, Katie Thurston's had very low ratings. And I do think that this new injection of the actual next bachelor into Michelle Young's. I'm excited to see what that does for the ratings. We were worried, you know, because it's we've never had a bachelorette during this time of the year. Maybe Young's ratings would be horrible, but well, I'm la- very la- excited last year we did. Experiment plays out. Last Sorry? year, we, last year we did bachelorette during this last part. The, la- having the bachelorette during this part of the calendar year, we had Tasha and Claire. Claire and oh, Tasha. Right. But that was the first time. Yeah, it was the first time it ever aired March through December, and then yeah, we had never had that before. But we're also we were also living through a yeah global yeah. pandemic at the time, and those ratings were bad as well. Yeah, weren't great. 
we have had a bachelorette on the heels of paradise though the the usual cycle is bachelor bachelorette paradise off season you get that couple month break before the next bachelor then airs in the first monday in january and i i agree with what lizzie's saying like it it feels a little overload style but the flip side of that is that fucking promo, dude. She's shooting a basketball <laughs> through a Swarovski's crystal fucking basketball net. And I'm just like, okay, they're doing it right. Like, that promo looks so good. And it got me so excited to watch this next season. And I'm just like, all right, well, maybe it's going to be fucking great. And I hope that it is. And, um, yeah, I think having this Bachelor in it, like, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm at least enthused that they're trying new things still to try and generate interest in this because as we are watching the ratings dwindle, which we can argue, you know, till the cows come home about if those ratings actually matter or if they're even real or what that means in terms of how many people are actually watching the show because Nielsen ratings are becoming less and less relevant by the day. Yeah. But it's still how ABC makes their ad money. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, I, I we don't know the reasoning why, Katie got to go first and then Michelle, like, why wasn't Michelle the bachelor in March? I, I, you know, the rumor was it was because, you know, what I had heard was because of the teaching thing. She couldn't take off the rest of school, but clearly she's not teaching first semester of this year. So I don't really know uh, what it is, um, what the reasoning was. It just seemed to me that you had, if we're talking about momentum, Michelle finished final two on Matt's season. We saw her there mid-March on the after the final rose speaking with Matt and her peak in terms of popularity was at an all-time high in March if she goes right into filming uh-huh. and goes to Tamaya and films the bachelorette and it starts airing when Katie's season did in, in June it seems like that's more of it, it it just seems like having Michelle as the bachelorette six months from when we last saw her on television was a wrong play either go with one bachelorette like and then you know, not to take anything away from Katie, I was fine with Katie. I, but in the grand scheme of things, when you look at past Bachelorettes, why did the eleventh place finisher uh, on Matt James' season get to be the Bachelorette? Like, why? Why? Why was it her? Why was why was she chosen to be filming right away, right after the after the final rose of Matt's season, and our Bachelorette from you know June to August, and Michelle has to wait six months. I just didn't really understand it and we'll never get an answer no one's ever going to actually speak on this and no production head or or higher up at abc network will ever say why that was the case but as a viewer certainly i can question that because i didn't understand it and i still don't really understand it. it seemed like michelle had more momentum and it would made more sense to give michelle the bachelorette gig and film it in march air it in june and give katie this you know have her film it uh, when Michelle filmed hers and have her air October to December. Yeah. I mean, we, we break down the game and basically say that like all players are always playing to four audiences simultaneously when you're in bachelor or bachelorette bachelor in paradise is a little different, but the two main games you're playing against the first audience. Who's the lead the bachelor or the bachelorette. You're playing against the second audience. Who's the other players you're playing against the third audience. That's the producers. And then the fourth audience is us watching at home. And Katie Thurston's third audience game to the producers, I personally believe, was maybe one of the strongest that has ever existed because she got until she became the Bachelorette. Then they treated her a little differently. But <laughs> at least through Matt James's season, she got some of the best edits we've ever seen. And then clearly, 
finished in 11th place that season and was named the bachelorette. That's the lowest uh, placement for any bachelorette in history by a lot. But yeah, not, um, not even close really. So, uh, Hannah Brown was seventh and everyone else was top four. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I do think too, we're going to look back on this era in the game. I'm talking about the pandemic era, basically those, those last three seasons, bachelorette 16, bachelor 25, bachelorette 17. And really the decisions that producers were making that network executives were making in terms of who they're casting, when the seasons are getting shot, where they're shooting them. I think they were just scrambling like frantic to fulfill the orders. When ABC is like, we need 12 episodes and we're going to order two back-to-back seasons of Bachelorette. They're just like, uh, okay, who are the Bachelorette's going to be? Uh, Katie Thurston, Michelle Young. All right. And how are we going to do it? I don't know. We'll stagger them out like this and we'll put a Bachelor Paradise in the middle. Like they were just trying to make as much content as they could to fill the, the ad spots because even as bad as the ratings are for all of these seasons, with the exception of Bachelor in Paradise on Tuesday nights, this go-round, they were still winning every Monday night by like a huge amount. Yeah, and that's the thing. We talk about that, and I bring up ratings all the time, and it's just, are ratings even a thing anymore? Is it really important to them? Because the other thing is, we don't know what they charge per ad spot, and that's what makes them their money. I think there was an article a while back about what they charge for an ad spot, but I don't know if that's still the case. But the bottom line is, yes, the ratings are low, uh, were low for Katie's season. They were low for Matt's season. Um, They aren't great for Paradise either. However, (laughs) if you look, that's the overall ratings in terms of number of viewers and uh, the rating for the show, which is adults 18 to 49. But if you take that a step further and you look at the actual breakdown, and you go to the women 18 to 49 demo, they're doubling every other show on Monday night. Like, it's not even close. So it's like, mm-hmm. does it really matter what the overall ratings were are if women 18 to 49 are killing it for them, and that's the number one demo that all advertisers look at? So I guess it really doesn't matter yeah. if it's dropping overall. I think there's another statistic that's even more important, and that's the number of Bachelor podcasts, and that has gone up. So... <laughs> significantly gosh i'm losing yeah i'm losing i'm losing track of how many there are now um it's crazy uh but you, you know you guys in your answers for this first uh you know 25 minutes of the podcast you guys talk a lot about the game and i want to talk about your book uh you guys have a book out called how to win the bachelor the secret to finding love and fame on america's favorite reality show it's coming out in january of 2022 you can pre-order it I'll have a link to it on uh, the Apple Podcast page and on my site. But, um, you know, I'll start with you, Lizzie. Tell us the inspiration for this book, what people can expect. <laughs> um, like, wh- what made you guys decide to to do this and, and kind of lay out a almost like, I mean, this is almost like a book that every contestant set to go on. Well, it's too late for, uh, you know, the Clayton season because your book won't be out then. But I guess starting with Bachelorette, uh, in filming in March of 2022, whoever that may be, um, it seems like this is a book that every contestant should read and tell them why. <laughs> well, we first started it. We actually started the podcast because we had this idea for the book. And we were like, the podcast will help us flesh out the book, essentially. And, you know, the podcast has evolved since the beginning. And, you know, we have put a crazy amount of effort into writing this book. It has taken over our lives for the past couple of years. But 
it is for every Bachelor contestant. It's also for, we tried to make it for every type of Bachelor fan. You know, there's casual Bachelor fans who maybe don't know the names of everyone. There's devoted Bachelor fans who maybe watch it every Monday night. And then there's also hardcore Bachelor fans who, you know, we we call them, they're in the pit. They have viewing parties. They have fantasy leagues. They're following everyone on Instagram. And we tried to make this book in a way that people of all Bachelor fans of all types will enjoy, but it's essentially our magnum opus. We watched every episode, season one, episode one through season 25, episode 13, on two times speed over the course of two and a half months, something we called the hyper binge, and started marking down the statistics that we found relevant. And we <laughs> compiled a an insane data grid through which we used to write this whole book. And it's basically broken down in terms of a structure of a season. You start with the preseason, then you get night one, then you talk. we talk about group dates, one-on-one dates, you get to playoffs, which are hometowns and fantasy suites, and the finals and the postseason. So it's that's essentially the order in which the book goes. And... You know, our first draft, I would say, was more of a hardcore textbook. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe just the super fans, but you know, we've we've done a, a number of drafts of it, and I think people are people are really going to like it. It's not exactly like the podcast. You know, on the podcast, we talk a lot more about like social media, you know, creatures of the week, etc. But you know, there's a lot of a lot of overlap with breaking it down as a game what kind of strategies are statistically best in every scenario for getting far in this game, whether that be, you know, the ultimate prizes of the ring or the next crown. You know, well, Chad, you know, you guys have talked about how you helped a former contestant that went on a season. I don't think you've revealed who that was or are going to reveal it today. Have you? You haven't referred to it once, have you? We've never formally like spoken to anybody about overt strategy or anything, but we have like some impression that the stuff we say in our show, in our podcast, we definitely know that like multiple players listen to our podcast. And then we see things happen in the show that we're like, well, that's kind of exactly what we talked about. So we don't we don't know per se if anyone is like specifically doing that, but it seems to us like there is some influence happening. And once the book comes out, like like you're saying, anybody who goes into the show is going to read this book. Whether they use the strategies in it or not, I don't know. But they will at least know, like, what is the most beneficial rose to be getting on night one? It's not the first impression rose, which most people think. It's actually what we call the first flower, which is the first rose given out in the night one ceremony. That statistically means you will go further in the game than the first impression rose. It means you're statistically more likely to be a crown as we call it or to win the ring so there's all this kind of stuff in the book that's like that that i think will help incoming players but it also like lizzie was saying give any fan a better way to watch the show it's like it it makes it more of a sport it shows you how it is a sport honestly and with all the stuff that's going on currently in bachelor in paradise where like last night's episode every other word out of somebody's mouth is like there's no rule book for paradise there's no rule book for paradise this is that book this is the rule book. We wrote it, and it's going to come out in January. And That's like, awesome. People aren't going to be able to say that anymore. 
you know, yeah. like that phrase will not be the thing. I, I could see some version of it where like if this book had come out last year, grocery store Joe's like, look, you probably just read how to win the bachelor. And now you're here trying to use the strategies. Like they're going to refer to it by name, you know, I, I was going really but... to ask you is, is would a career highlight for you guys be if, this book is referenced on the show at some point, like you said, uh, if Joe, yeah, that would I mean, be, that, be great. The whole purpose, like what we want to do ultimately is have the, the show viewed as the sport that it is. And we've already seen some movement in that direction over the past year. Different players have started using terminology we created. Like we came up with this phrase called the hooju, which stands for the hug jump, which is a little move that, all players do when they run up to the bachelor and they jump on him and wrap their legs around him. We call that the hooju. Tyler Cameron explained that in an E news interview. Other players are openly saying Blake Moynes openly was talking about hoojus in his uh, Instagram stories. So it is starting to happen that our terminology and the way we view the game is starting to get absorbed into the mainstream game culture. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's been a goal of ours since the very beginning of all of this. Yeah, and that's it's really fascinating because it just all kind of started with, like you said, you guys just starting out a podcast who wanted to, the podcast was going to flesh out what the book was going to be, but it has seeped into the lexicon, the pop culture world of this show where, you know, you know I look on your Instagram account and your Instagram stories and I see people sending you videos from their wedding of the bride hoojooing <laughs> into, the, into the groom. Like, I'm like, this is crazy to me. How how much it's taken off? I mean, I'm, it's awesome, but it's it's also. I mean, are you guys weirded out by the fact that people are sending you these videos? <laughs> <laughs> we love them. <laughs> I, there was one I was worried about the safety, where someone posted like their parents doing a hoojoo on the beach. I was like, I I don't know if they should be doing this or put some pillows down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys talk about the game playing aspect of this show, obviously a lot, and how this whole show is a game. And, you know, we know exactly what it's all about. I mean, for the last five years or so, the social media Instagram explosion has basically turned this into what you guys, you know, like to call a game because there's so much more here at stake than winning a fiance at the end. The players are starting to understand that. Chad, explain to everybody exactly how many more things are at play here that people are the reason people are appearing on the show for than just to find love because that's about 75th on the list if we're being honest yeah i mean as we describe it in our book there the game has three objectives which is there are many components of the game that make it in my opinion far more interesting than any other professional sport which just has one objective goal to beat the other team or the other player but we say that this game has actually three objectives it's winning the ring which is being like the getting the final rose basically winning the crown which is becoming the next lead or finishing top four all of those have certain statistical benefits that get you close to, if not over, 1 million Instagram followers. And that really is the overall goal of any appearance in any Bachelor game, is to make it deep enough in that game and to do enough on camera that you get your million Instagram followers. And once you have that, obviously you're a, you're a influencer who's pulling down you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year selling hair care products and whatever else it may be. So when you see stuff like what is happening in Paradise currently, where the bachelors are giving villain edits to any player who's openly mentioning Instagram or talking about strategy, even though they all do it, but they're not going to give a villain edit to any of their official bachelor nation podcast hosts like grocery store, Joe and Tosh Parker. Oh God, no. 
<laughs> that goal of getting the million Instagram followers is why you go in. And I think most players' attitudes about it are, well, I'm going to go in, and I know that it's actually more likely that I'll get a million Instagram followers or, or high hundreds of thousands than it is that I'm going to walk out of this finding love. And we're not saying that you can't find love. Certainly it happens, especially in paradise. Many couples come out of that and get married and have kids, even in Bachelor and Bachelorette. People come out of that, they get married, they have kids, they love each other. Nonetheless, you must and win the game. Like bachelor, one time. <laughs> and occasionally a bachelor, one time. Yeah, Sean Lowe did it once. But in order for Catherine Giudici to marry Sean Lowe, she had to win that game. It is the 10-round game of attrition that has very concrete and clear game mechanics. There are statistical metrics that can describe it all, which we do in our book. And I think understanding that, yes, both of these things exist is a part of really knowing what this game is. It's like you can fall in love. You also have to win the game in order to do that. If you don't win the game and you fall in love with the person, that means you're leaving the show and you don't wind up with them. Lizzie, Chad referenced it in his answer, but what we're seeing of Brendan and Piper this season is about the most perfect example of gameplay heading into a season and trying to game the system, so to speak. What have you made of everything that they tried to pull off this season? I mean, Chad and I have been having a field day with the Brendan and Piper (laughs) story. Yeah. Because it's essentially the strategy that we suggest for Paradise, which is that players team up beforehand, not make actual contracts, but make packs with each other. Like, if we get on, we will carry each other through. Because your goal is screen time because screen time equates with followers most of the time and (laughs) Brendan and Piper I mean we've just been flabbergasted at you know it is a good strategy but you have to prepare you have to prepare and you can't say what your strategy is on camera on mic you also don't want to take collateral damage of a bachelor official bachelor podcast host in the process, Natasha. And I think that's the main reason Brendan is getting vilified is for the comments that he said to and about Natasha. So yeah, the, the implementation of this strategy has been uh, very haphazard, but I think that's only going to make more savvy players in the future. I know they're trying to make this like a warning shot to, to bachelor players you know don't come on looking for followers but now they're just going to do it in a more discreet way chad is there almost a level of respect for their bluntness about what they were there for i'm not talking about respecting brendan and how he acted or things he said about natasha which were humiliating and embarrassing i'm talking about just the level of gameplay strategy they went with poorly executed for sure but they're not hiding the fact of what the hell they went down there for. Like, I almost, because to me, the hypocrisy of the other players to be so mad at Brendan and Piper because they mentioned followers, clout, likes on Instagram is laughable to me. They're all there for it. They're just not talking about it and getting caught on camera talking about it, even though other players, past players, have said, that's what all these people talk about down there. This isn't anything new. The show is just choosing to make an example out of Brendan and Piper. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I personally like it, but what you're talking about is what we describe in the book as the fundamental single rule of the game. You can pretty much do anything you want as long as you don't break the rule of 4TRR, for the right reasons. <laughs> yes. And that basically means the only reason – you have to convey this at least. It doesn't have to be true, but you have to convey that the only reason you're in this show is to find love and any monetary benefit – any Instagram followers, any potential fame that you receive as a result of your appearance in any of these franchise shows is completely incidental. You have to pretend like you don't care about that. Meanwhile, Grocery Store Joe is approaching a million followers, the most successful night one guy in the history of the fucking game. All these other players have millions of followers. They're all there for the same reason. They're just playing the 4TRR game. And at this point in the game's history, that is still the case. You must do it. You're watching what happens now. Because the producers, the third audience, will they'll essentially punish you. The edits that everybody's getting, like there's absolutely no way other people aren't talking about Instagram followers. We're yeah. just not seeing that. Mm -hmm. The producers mm -hmm. make those decisions. And the producers even make the decision, like with Brennan and Piper, their strategy was sound. The thing I don't think they realized is that the producers know they were dating before the show, and the producers decided to stagger their entrances if they both would have shown up on day one everything would have been fine mm -hmm. but the producers are like we can use this relationship we'll bring one of them in first that person will then either have to establish a real connection with someone else or fake one either way when the second one of these players comes in it, the whole situation will blow up the producers are always trying to make the most trauma possible that is their job and when you see things like grocery store Joe saying the point of coming on the, the show is to find love and that's it. It's like, no, the point Dude, of the show shut up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is ratings. Yeah, that's it. You know, the producers only care about creating these situations to really blow everything up. So yes, to, to answer your original question, I like open gameplay. I like talking about <laughs> and stuff, but it's still like the game isn't quite there yet. And I think little things like this happening or not even little things. This was the biggest thing of the season. But I think you're going to see them more and more. And like Lizzie was saying, you're going to see players getting better at it. And I think ultimately this game must embrace social media or die because social media is not going anywhere. And the, the longer they go without making it a part of the show, the more antiquated the show will seem. Well, they have to address it, like you said, and they did. We saw it more last season with the whole Blake thing with – you know, stagecoach and all the pre-show relationships, and then we've got Brandon yeah. and Piper. I mean, I, I wrote this today, and I'll say it again on the podcast. Bachelor in Paradise Season 8 will air next summer. I don't know who's going to be on it, but I can already tell you there will be a storyline of 4TRR or someone coming on or someone in a pre-show relationship or someone trying to game the system. It's going to happen because that's what the show has turned into. They have to. They've actually done a better job of acknowledging it. I'm sure it happened in the past, I think the first time we saw it when it came to Paradise was Joe and Samantha, and I think they were season three or four. That was the first time it was ever brought to the forefront. Hey, two people who were clearly either flirting, hooking up, knew they were going to date once they got to Mexico. It became a storyline on the show. But now it's just it's going to be a storyline next summer. I don't know who it's going to involve. Probably going to be involve women that we're going to see being released in the next couple weeks that are going to be on Clayton season. And then whoever the next Bachelorette is, her season as well, and then a few of uh, Matt, uh, a few of Michelle's guys that will certainly be on Paradise next summer. It's going to be a storyline. They have to lean into social media, or like you said, they will die. And I think they're doing a better job of it because if they don't call it out, then they're just treating their audience like ignorant fools. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another one of the main takeaways that we had from this storyline is what has played out on social media as a result of what has been shown on the show with the specific Instagram targeting with Natasha gaining 300 K in a week with, um, Brendan and Piper's Instagram followers tanking, like in a way that we've never seen before. And I'm wondering if that is only going to be amplified. Yeah. And it it is kind of, I mean, look, Brendan has, Brennan's has acted. I mean, Piper's not innocent in all this. They're they're a duo, but Brennan is also losing ten times the followers that Piper has. I mean, he's at a hundred thousand now, and Piper's at what ten? That doesn't seem like a lot for for kind of what she's done uh, and and her role in this. And you know, Brennan has been the more outspoken one. Piper's just kind of been there, following along. She did say some things that were inflammatory when the cameras caught them laying there on the hammock or the daybed or whatever it was, but. It's been mostly Brendan who's come across as a fuck boy and a guy who clearly used Natasha until he knew Piper was coming in. But he's taking way more of the heat than she is. I'm not, and I'm not saying, hey, everyone go unfollow Piper. I'm just saying it's not like they're losing the same amount. He's 10 times losing more than she is. It's not even close. And I thought, I guess, maybe hers would be a little bit more just because she's just as complicit in this as he is. But apparently not. People maybe uh, they just really have seemed to taken to a severe dislike I, towards Brendan. I think they people are responding not they're not actually responding to the pre plan and the Instagram followers thing. I mean that's the way that they're punishing them because they talked about it. But I really do think they're responding to how Brendan treated Natasha. Yeah, no, it, it certainly. Um, and look, I, Piper's message last night on her Instagram story that she just wanted to make it clear they were not in an exclusive relationship pre-show, just seems to be missing the boat altogether. Like, I still don't think that she gets why people are bothered by what they did. And um, I guess she never will. If she doesn't know it by now, it certainly hasn't doesn't seem to sink in. Like, I don't... It seems like she's fighting semantics at this point. Like, maybe they didn't specifically say to each other, we are boyfriend and girlfriend, we are a couple, we are going to go down there to game the system. But it was clear, if you've seen a guy 10 times pre-show and you don't live in the same city, which means you have to make plans to get on a train or a bus or a plane to go see somebody else, clearly it's more serious than, yeah, I was going to get down there and just see how it was with her. Like, no, you could have just seen that visiting each other in Boston or New York. You didn't have to sure. go down there to do it. It makes it makes no sense. Their, their execution is horrible in this. It's also interesting to me that no one really ever talks about the producer's role in any of this. Certainly what Brendan said to Natasha is like unnecessary and terrible. And the reaction he's getting is the reaction to that. But nobody seems to understand that the producers knew they were dating. Oh yeah, The producers a hundred percent put them on the show for this exact reason. And so to say that they gamed the system, it's like, not really. The producers actually gamed them. The producers put them, in this situation specifically to make a crazy blow up in the middle of the season, you know? Well, here's the thing. And, and this is where I'm just, I'm still confused about those two. And I know everyone said, Oh, it's about the followers. It's about the, it's about the likes. It's about the clout or whatever. It's like, okay. I mean, I get it to a certain extent that that's why they went down there, but they were clearly into each other. They were only interested in dating each other. I I guess because my question is basically like, why go do this? Why did they go down there 
and act this way? And why didn't they just date and not go on paradise? Like it, was it that much of a, we really need the follower thing? Um, because it just seems like they didn't have to do this. They were only granted. You don't know what's going to happen until you get down there. They were only in Mexico. Obviously Brendan was there from the very beginning, but Piper was only there once Piper arrived. I think she was there three or four days in terms of on, you know, in the cast. So mm-hmm. clearly hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's not worth it when you look back on it now. But I just don't see why these two wanted to go down there in the first place. Obviously, producers probably convinced them it would be good. And, you know, like you said, the producers gamed them. I get it to a certain extent, but. I'm just still curious as to why they went down there. But if the ultimate answer is because they just wanted to be on TV and gain followers, I, you know, I guess that's it. I mean, I, there's really no yeah. other reason. It just It's money. I mean, people say followers and be on TV. Those are just code words for money. Money, yeah. If you come out of Bachelor in Paradise with a million followers, which they could have done, if their plan would have worked and they would have played it correctly, they wind up going to the end, getting engaged, and they maybe are one of the darling couples of Paradise, a la... Uh, Tanner Tolbert and Jade Roper, you know, kind of the first ones to really do it. And that's huge. If you have a million Instagram followers, the difference between that and, you know, what he had when he came in 340 some and she was scratching at like 80,000, that's massively different in terms of how much money you're making that year. And so I know people like to, you know, generalize it and say it's like clout or Instagram followers and stuff, but like, I always try to remember it is money. This is a job opportunity. They are walking in there trying to come out with a huge promotion. And that would have been possible had they played it correctly. They just did terrible execution. Yeah. Yeah. One one of the worst executed plans ever, really, in this in this show's history. Um, I want to move on to somebody else who I know is probably on your guys' radar and for the way he has been uh for a couple seasons now, Katie season and now Paradise, is your thoughts on Thomas. And in terms of a game player uh, in this sport of the Bachelor, Bachelorette world, because to me, obviously, every guy that was on Katie's season seemed to dislike this guy, whether or not it was a jealousy thing or whether or not he truly was a bad guy off camera um, and just saying things and doing things like, again, I said this about Thomas during Katie's season. I don't give a shit that he said um that he, that he had thoughts of being the bachelor. They all do. He was just dumb enough to verbalize it in front of other people. That was his mistake. Another poorly executed uh, thing on his part. But seeing now him down in paradise and he's got this Tammy Becca thing, we all know there's a pecking order. This is very high school clicky, this show. And there's not, I, I have nothing against Tammy. Seems like a great girl. She's been comedic. She's been a very, uh, she's been comedy relief this season uh, for this show. Absolutely. Um, but in the grand scheme of the pecking order of this show, there's no way someone like Thomas is going to pass up an opportunity to date a former bachelorette than a girl who finished whatever Tammy finished eighth, ninth on, on, on Peter pilot Pete season. It's just, you know, and it, it sounds insulting to Tammy because she finished low and that, but that's the way these people think. And with everything the guys have said about Thomas and wanting to be the bachelor and kind of get it out there. What are your thoughts on him now going after a former bachelorette? We were, we call, (laughs) 
We call Becca the first tropical royale because she won the ring and the crown, and now she's on Paradise, <laughs> and it's something that we've never seen before. Yeah, and we were extremely excited about, and she, Becca can have anyone on the beach. I think that's just that's just how it is. For sure, and and she's a also an official Bachelor podcaster. You know, that's a huge thing as well. Um, I definitely would try to set myself up in paradise, aligning with someone who is not also thinking about Becca. (laughs) (laughs) Chad, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's in the same way that like Brennan and Piper are openly talking about Instagram followers and their plans. He seems to have that that same problem. I listened to uh, the podcast he did with Mike Johnson and Brian Abbasolo, another um, official Bachelor Nation podcast where he point blank asked each of them if they had ever thought about being the Bachelor in their season. And Mike adamantly denied that he ever even knew that was a possibility. And Brian Abbasolo just kind of sidestepped the question. So Lizzie and I have talked about this on our show. Like there is such a taboo thing about saying out loud that you have thought about the possibility that you might wind up being the lead, even though it is a possibility for everybody who goes on the show that these two other podcast hosts like won't even do it years after they played in the game. And so I think his gameplay style in terms of openly saying these things is still bad because we're in the sporty RR era still. And again, I hope that changes a little bit and the open gameplay can shine through a little more, but it's undeniable that he had the first date with a bachelorette in paradise. That is a historic moment in the game. So whatever he's doing play wise, like that's a, a massive success. I don't know what winds up happening with them, if that's a relationship that actually happens or not, but he at least has this historic moment. So he'll always be in the record books for that. But like in terms of, is he a bad guy or not? I don't know this guy. I don't know any of these people. I would assume they're all kind of nice and fun to hang around. And then they just get thrown into weird situations in these shows that it's like, they got to make somebody the villain. That's how the show works. And so they're going to make whoever they want to, to be the villain, the villain. But I don't think his play is necessarily bad at all. And he's got some some comedic stuff this season, too, when he was pretending to hit his head on the palapa for every girl that he was talking to. (laughs) (laughs) That type of shit. Like, I don't know. He makes me laugh. He's entertaining to me to some degree. Well, by the way, we did an interview with uh, Peter Weber, Pilot Pete, recently, and he said that they sit down everyone at the beginning of the season and say, basically, get ready. It's like a brief, like, media training type thing. And they say, one of you might become the next bachelor so if the producers are saying that to the group you're supposed to just force yourself to not have that thought form in your head that it could be you it's absurd i didn't i didn't listen to the whole peter interview but i heard the clip uh that you guys put on your instagram story and you know to me obviously the most fascinating part of your interview with peter was him admitting to the fact that he knew about Victoria and Chase Rice, not during the concert, but in between the concert and the night portion of dinner, he had gone online, uh, gone on his iPad and looked, assuming um, there was, I mean, I, I was the first one to put it out there. I'm sure he either saw it on my tweets or saw other people retweeting my tweets that it was out there that, that she had a, um, you know, she had previously hooked up or, or dated Chase Rice. Um, fascinating to hear uh, that he admitted that after the fact. I feel like Peter probably has a lot of things that he wants to get off his chest. 
I remember um, he had tweeted out years, uh, you know, a couple years ago, the the date of March fifteenth, twenty twenty one, which was kind of a year, <laughs> a year from uh, the, his finale airing, and everyone thought he was going to just spill the beans on everything, and I don't think that's happened. Um, I don't follow everything that he well, does, but your interview with him, what were your highlights from it? I know that was mine. I mean, I what? definitely the the media training thing at the beginning was eye opening for me. I mean, you kind of assume that that happened, but then, especially watching it in the context of every person in Bachelor Nation refusing to acknowledge that they ever even considered being the next lead, yeah. it's it's very telling. But I just I I mean, my main takeaway is just like what he has been through, and it's something that I think all the leads go through. It's it's a really intense emotional process and i mean i i think people just do the best they can in that situation but it's um i definitely don't think it's as as glamorous a job as it looks to casual observers yeah i mean my main takeaway from all the interviews that we've done with ex-players and leads and stuff is like this experience is in many ways extremely traumatic designed to be that way by producers they don't really have the best interest in mind of the lead or any of the players they're they're trying to create these situations that will make all of these different people have nervous breakdowns but to go through it all and come out the other side with potentially a relationship or a social media following or whatever you have when you come out of it is astounding to me that anybody is still standing after it because they're not allowed to speak about it publicly. And you're talking about the Ides of March when he and Kelly Flanagan tweeted out that thing that said they were basically, or implied they were going to spill all the beans on March 15th, 2021, and then didn't. Uh, it's because the producers locked them down. You've seen time and time again, Jed Wyatt was going to have a podcast episode come out. His first episode of Jed Speaks or Jed Talks, whatever his podcast was called, where he said, he promoted it by saying, I'm going to, set the record straight on everything that happened with Hannah Brown and all the stuff. And then that podcast never comes out because the producers get to him and they say, if you put that out, we're going to sue the shit out of you. Yeah. They use Luke Parker. They sued him for going on some podcasts and successfully, I think he owes them a hundred grand or whatever. So they try to shut down any open and honest speech about anything that happens in those seasons. And so when you do get these little tidbits that come out, like Peter Weber saying he looked at an iPad or, or whatever, that stuff is always the most interesting to me because I feel like there's never going to be a giant bombshell interviewer expose with any high level player where they tell you everything. All of that information is going to have to be pieced together through multiple interviews that they do over the course of years where they're dripping out little things here and there. And that to me is like, you know, as a fan of this show of this game for as long as we've been doing this and watching the show that fascinates me every time, because I feel like in those interviews, like I feel privileged to get to do them that we're in some way. And I know this, whatever bachelor to some people is a frivolous reality show to us. It's not to us. It's like a very important piece of American culture. It's a sport. We love all that. And I feel like privileged in some ways to be able to be a part of getting those little pieces out, contributing to the overall record that when we look back on this and there is some massive historical document that is made from all the different podcasts and all the different things that have been written. And like, what is the story of the show and its role in American culture? I'm just like, 
I can't believe we're getting to play a part in it, even as small as it may be that it's like Peter Weber telling us about an iPad. Yeah, that is a part of it, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think there is this false sense of, um, just this false sense that someday somebody's just going to do a blow up expose that was on the show. I just think they're way too scared. They don't want to be sued. Nobody wants to be sued. I've gone through it twice with this franchise and wasn't fun. Um, mm-hmm. but I, 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 it's not going to happen. Like, like you said, the two examples you gave are perfect example. These are recent ones, you know, Jed saying he's going to tell everybody and then nothing happens. And then, <laughs> and then it, Jed even admitting like, yeah, they got to me and said, if I did say that they were going to sue me. And then Peter, right. you know, Peter dropping that date that he was going to drop everything. And then no, and obviously he didn't. So it's just never going to happen. But like you said, I agree. there's going to be. You listen to everybody who does an interview, you'll be able to pick up small things here and there. There will always be, oh, that's interesting, or oh, that's an interesting note about how this producer kind of really, what you saw on TV really wasn't what happened because the producer actually told them this behind the scenes. You hear that stuff more often than not now, Um, but will there ever be a, a book, a podcast where a main player in the show goes on and just exposes everything that happened? No, it's never going to happen. It's just not. I mean, they also... It's not just that they have the stick. Like, they don't just have the threat where they can say, we'll sue you into oblivion. We saw it with Chris Harrison. They also have the carrot. He had, I believe, probably the most dirt on the franchise of anybody ever in the history of the show. And instead of threatening to sue him, he threatened to sue them. And they just paid him millions of dollars to never say anything. (laughs) You know, they can do whatever they want, basically, because they're such a giant media engine. They can silence anyone with any manner of uh, silencing they choose. Yeah, I mean, Chris Harrison, I mean, people are still saying to this day, do you think Chris will ever say anything? No, <laughs> there's a reason he got a he got hush money. It's because he's never going to talk about this show ever again. The guy has released since since he was let go or whatever you want to call it, fired. He has released three sentences on his thoughts on this franchise, and that was on the Instagram uh, account mm-hmm. when he and you're not getting anything from him and. It's it's just never going to happen. That's why they signed, a, you know, he signed an NDA and took however many millions of dollars it was. Um, yeah, it's just they are such a giant machine that you're you're not going to find anybody. I mean, somebody might say something that you're like, wow, did not realize it. But then they're either going to get told you need to shut up or you need to, you know, we're going to we're now going to sue you. It's somebody might not take them seriously or not even be um, aware of what could the ramifications of talking could be and then accidentally say something, but going into, Hey, I'm going to go in and reveal something and I know that they're going to come after me, but I don't care. I I don't think that's going to happen. And it's also the, the timing of it. Like once the NDA expires, which is years later, you know, people don't care. Like even if Jed Wyatt's podcast would have come out and he would have said everything that happened that season and gone behind the scenes, it's like, we're years past that the players that people care about are no longer those players. So even if you're dropping like big T about these past events, if they're years ago, it doesn't have the same impact and there's not as many people listening. And, you know, it's, it's only through this kind of like two year gap after people get off the show where they start to feel a little comfortable about talking about the things that you get these little tidbits coming out and they're just, they don't mean as much anymore. I mean, they do to us though, you know, like people who are obsessed <laughs> with the show, like, to me, it's all happening simultaneously. I don't really see it as history, but I know most other people do. 
And so to, to stay current with NET, like we're seeing it now with um, clickbait, the most recent episode of it that aired after the the first episode with Brendan and Natasha and Piper, that episode of clickbait was the number one iTunes TV film podcast episode and clickbait was the number one show. That was the first time that had happened in the history of clickbait. And it's because they were talking about the most contemporary events in the show possible. And it was the people involved in those events. Now I'm not saying they released any tea in that they didn't. It was very like company man holding the, the line, but that shows you kind of the power of like talking about the contemporary stuff. And I just don't think you're ever going to get contemporary tea from anyone. Yeah, no, you're, you're really not. And, you know, just kind of to wrap things up here uh, with paradise, Lizzie, do you have, we already know who the least valuable players this season are, and that's Brendan and Piper. (laughs) (laughs) They're the, they're the LVPs, but do you have a eight episodes in, do you have an MVP of this season? Do you think somebody has stood out more so than anybody else, whether it's through gameplay or just edit? A hundred percent grocery store, Joe. (laughs) He is the star of this season. Everything he's been doing. I mean, he has the third audience behind him. He got first male sand um, where he's the first male player to touch the beach. Um, He's creating a very four TRR love storyline with Serena P, which has a little bit of conflict with Kendall. He's playing the the STCO, the shoulder to cry on for a lot of the other players on the beach. So he's just involving himself in all of these different storylines. He's getting more screen time. I, I don't know the numbers on this. You'd have to ask bachelor data, but yeah. he, I think he's had the most screen time of anyone. Um, you know, a close second, I would say would be Natasha because she had this Instagram, this astronomical Instagram gain. I think what she would need to do is to have to play out a love story. And I hope we do get to see that, but yeah, I've just, I mean, grocery store, Joe, this is what a night one guy can do. I mean, <laughs> It's it's an extraordinary thing to witness. Chad, is he your is he your MVP or is Natasha based on the Instagram following that she's gotten out of this, which is just crazy. Yeah, like you mentioned it earlier, Lizzie. I mean, it's unheard of what she's been able to do in what, 10 days, mm-hmm. over 300,000 yeah. gained in 10 days. And she's not she's not even in a relationship. She's she's it's 300,000, I guess, out of you know, people feel bad for her and, and how she was treated. Yep. It's like a sympathy gain. It's the power of victimization. That's one of the, the strongest strategies you can play in our beloved game. Becca Kufrin had a huge victimization plot line as well at the end of Ari's season 22 of Bachelor. And that obviously gave her the crown. She's got over a million followers. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I would say Joe is probably the MVP only because he's the central figure in the entire bachelor in paradise season the producers are clearly using him as like they did last night in the episode where he's kind of the ringleader of going to talk to brendan and piper like all of that is decided by the producers so they're definitely propping him up as they are natasha as well and it's no coincidence that they're two of the hosts of clickbait an official bachelor nation podcast and so i think like what you're seeing happen is something that we have not seen in bachelor in paradise i do believe joe is the mvp and I would say Natasha is like close second as well. But this model is now being established where Bachelor in Paradise is going to be a place 
where Warner Brothers sends the hosts of their podcasts to gain more followers so that their podcast can now be number one and Warner Brothers can get paid multiple times from basically the same media. They own Bachelor in Paradise, they own Bachelor, they own Bachelorette, they own Clickbait, they own Bachelor Happy Hour, they own all the Bachelor Nation podcasts. So I think what you're going to see is this new model emerge where every year or two, there's going to be a new Bachelor Nation, official Bachelor Nation podcast, and whoever the hosts of that show are, are going to be obligated to go on Paradise where they're going to get similar edits to what you're seeing for Joe and Natasha. I mean, fuck, what we just saw for Natasha last night, she wasn't going to get a rose and the producers just made one for her (laughs) to keep her in the show so that she can keep getting screen time so that clickbait can be a bigger podcast. Yeah, it is pretty fascinating. And like I said, I I think they would have to add more shows because right now I think the only two official podcasts of the show are happy hour and clickbait, right? There aren't others that are official, right? No, I think Mike Johnson one is. Oh, it is. Okay. And I guess, I mean, we obviously know Brian's not going down there, so maybe next season Mike goes down and I mean, I don't know. Um, it just seems it's certainly beneficial to this show to have the hosts of their main podcasts go on it, you know? Um, sorry, Lizzie. Who would be your MVP, Steve? Who, um, who would be my MVP this season? I I guess I guess I would put Natasha ahead of Joe and I, I guess I'd put Joe second. I mean it, it, I think they're interchangeable like you guys said. Uh you guys have Joe one. I'd probably put Natasha one just because I've never seen this type of mm-hmm. uh, of sympathy garnered for somebody uh and the amount of followers that she has gained in such a short amount of time. I'm just I'm fascinated by that and I I've never and you know, all props to Bachelor Data um, for Suzanne, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it. I've texted her and I said, "Have we ever seen anything like this?" I, I I don't follow the numbers enough to know, you know, when something started to just in a week she gained two hundred and now she's over three hundred. I think she's almost at five hundred total. Like it's just crazy. And honestly, and this is no slight against Natasha, while she did get to, I think fifth or sixth on Peter's season, she wasn't somebody that ever stuck out because she wasn't involved in any drama. I don't believe she got a one-on-one until it was that episode before Hometowns where it was either you're getting a hometown or you're going home. I think that was when her that was her first one-on-one, and she got sent home. She wasn't involved in a lot of the drama. I don't really remember her being much of any storyline on Peter's season, yet she gets a podcast with a very popular Tasha and a very popular grocery Joe. Her ascension since you know since uh, August sixteenth when the season started is is impressive yeah, and, and, and exactly. impressive and unheard of. She took yeah, over I mean, for Hannah Sluss. Sluss was the original third host of Clickbait. Yeah, it lasted three episodes. The only time I can think of someone getting this fast and Instagram gain is like a bachelorette, a crown announcement, you know, at that point, sometimes we'll see huge spikes, but yeah, it's, it's truly incredible. I might reverse my MVP. We'll, (laughs) we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. See how how far she can climb. Yeah. It's hope she hits a million. And it, and it's not, it's not even just because of the Ascension. It's just because it's the Ascension of somebody who I guarantee you, 
when the cast list was announced by People Magazine for this show, if you were just to survey random fans of the show and you ask them what season was Natasha on, I bet you nine out of ten people couldn't have told you she was on Pilot Pete season. Right. That's the amazing part. It's she's she's not someone that was popular, noticeable, um, stuck out, was involved in anything major. She was just to me, she was just there on Peter's season. Mm-hmm. I don't think I rarely ever talked about her on when I was recapping the show because she wasn't involved in anything. Never had a one on one. Never. I don't think ever got a group date rose, but again, I could be wrong on that. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. Maybe she did get one. I don't remember. But just she was just there. Yeah, I don't think I think like most players of color, she did not get a lot of screen time. Yeah. Especially during Pilot Pete season. Yeah, and I and and honestly it took me I mean, I knew it took me a couple seconds to remember wait wait, what season? Okay, yeah, that's right. But when she was named the replacement for Hannah Ann on clickbait. I was like, interesting because she's not a name that I think the mass, like when you throw out Tasha's name, clearly people know who Tasha is. You throw out grocery Joe's name. Clearly people know who he is. We're going to put Natasha Parker on with Tasha and grocery Joe. Okay. I just don't think that's a name that jumped out to people. I don't, it's nothing against Natasha. No. It's just fact, but that's, that is good play within the kind of bachelor world as well. The fact that she was able to secure a clickbait host spot then means when she comes on paradise, she's going to get a favorable edit. I mean, I don't think it's coincidental that we're sitting here talking about who the MVP is. And it's one of two of the podcast. Hosts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the third podcast host is Becca Cooper. And who's like untouchable. We talked about this on our show. Like, why hasn't she gotten a date card yet? Why haven't they given her a date? And we really feel that it was like, they were trying to orchestrate a perfect situation for her that could not in any way go bad. The podcast hosts are like protected in Bachelor in Paradise and even champion, obviously. Oh, for sure. Uh, there's just, if people don't, this isn't coincidental. Like you said, if people don't see that they're just missing the point here. Um, clearly you, there are people that this franchise loves and coddles and, you know, likes to continually have them pop up on this show. Uh, for whatever reason. Uh, money is that reason. Well, Again, it's all about money. They're shitting on Piper and Brennan because she's openly saying, I want to make more money. Meanwhile, the whole show is to make more money for Warner Brothers, who owns all of these media products. So they're using the show, Paradise, to boost the profile of Grocery Store Joe and Natasha Parker, which makes clickbait number one. It's it's all interrelated, you know? Yes. And... I didn't I mean I don't follow their podcast so I did not know it was you know it had gotten to number 1 that week that uh the week after what would have been last week after everything went down with Natasha and Brendan and um I had no idea but doesn't surprise me at all, uh at all cuz people want to hear from the host who was directly involved with the biggest storyline of the season so it does make sense I know you said she didn't spill a lot of tea what did she say about it I didn't really follow it The long and short of it was it was more conversations basically about them being there for TRR and how paradise is supposed to be about, you know, finding love. Keisha at one point is chiming in and saying, like, the lesson is don't come to paradise with a plan. She mentions that multiple times. So it's in the same way that the producers through editing are kind of rebuking that idea, and punishing players for do it for doing it. The mandate, I feel like, on that episode of Clickbait was kind of similar to support that idea that what Brendan and Piper did 
coming in uh, talking about Instagram followers is bad. And they openly talk about that on the, the episode too, that like, you know, that's not what it's about. And then meanwhile, in another episode of clickbait grocery store, Joe openly says people are talking about him as bachelor and that's not going to happen, but he doesn't mind him talking because it in quotes boosts his engagement. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit of the same hypocrisy that we're seeing in the show itself. Um, but it's well worth listening to. I mean, it's a historic podcast episode. If for no other reason, then it was the number one episode and the number one show, which had never happened for clickbait. Yeah. I just think these contestants need to stop saying, come on the show. The show is about love. Like that's just, that's so insulting to a certain faction of the viewers because Mm -hmm. it's not, they need to stop peddling that. And it's stupid to say, while love has come from these shows, as we've mentioned, couples in the past, the Raven and Adams, the Tanner and Jades, it's happened, yes. But that's not what the show is about, never was, and never will be in the future. It's just about creating drama, creating hookups, um, and just getting eyeballs to the television screen. If everybody got along and there were no villains and everything was daffodils and rainbows down in paradise, it would be the most boring fucking show ever. Like there's <laughs> it's just, it, it would it just, there's nothing exciting about that as a viewer. It's a reason people watch Grey's Anatomy. It's a reason people watch the real housewives. It's not because they all get to get along. It's because they fight <laughs> and there's drama involved yep. and there's cheating. Like that's what they want. It's what people want to see. And that's so, an interesting thing about storytelling in general is people think that you want to watch people just being happy, but you don't. You want them to have conflict and resolve it. For sure. <laughs> you guys have written for TV. You know all about that. Like this is this is what it is. What's interesting to people, and it's why dramas sell. And uh, yeah, um, you know, I, it's it's why a show like Grey's Anatomy can, can be on the air for eighteen seasons. I've never watched one episode <laughs> of Grey's Anatomy. But the fact that it's on 18 seasons tells me they're doing something right. <laughs> I mean, how? Oh. Many, I, I mean, I kind of know just by headlines and stuff that I've read over the last 18 years. But yeah, Meredith has this guy, and then she he dies, and now she's got a new boyfriend. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know that enough. I, but I thought I had watched Grey's Anatomy, but I've only watched six seasons, so that's only like 10 percent of it. Yeah, <laughs> you watch a third of it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's crazy. 18 years of the same television show. But then again, this show's been on 18 years, 19 years yeah. now. So, I don't know. I feel like that is, is kind of most closely related to pro wrestling. It's like, in pro wrestling, everybody knows that the stories are fake. But what the, the players of pro wrestling, the, the wrestlers are doing, actually does take an extreme amount of athletic skill. So they are really pro athletes, but the, the stories you're watching are not real. That is really what Bachelor in Paradise is. The emotions, just like the athletes in pro wrestling, those are real. But the stories you're watching are manufactured by the producers in many cases. And again, they can find real love and they do have real emotional reactions to all this kind of stuff. But I think most people don't quite see through to the the next level that like the producers are making all of this up. Yeah, I, I you're right. The, most of the viewers don't. And most of the viewers kind of just... Sh- watch the show for two hours on Tuesday nights and then shut off their brain uh, until the following Tuesday. And yeah, you've got your diehards that follow along with everything. Like you said, the ones that follow along and follow every contestant and are reading everything that's online about everything. But that's still, I don't know if that's like, all. that's, that's still a, (laughs) that's still a minority of the fans. I, I still think a majority of the fans don't follow along the social 
media aspect of it. And you almost kind of have to now to keep up with all the storylines going on, like what you're seeing on TV, then you follow them online to see what's really being shown. Is this person still mad at this person? Did this person like this person after everything that went down? Um, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's almost like a full-time job. And for me, um, you know, I kind of follow it. I don't follow it as much as maybe I should. Um, you guys probably do a better job of it than I do. Um, I just, I can't keep up with everything and I don't follow enough people from this franchise to know who liked who or who commented on whose picture or what they say. Cause I feel like if it's something big, it's going to get reported back to me anyway. So right. someone's going to tell me, Hey, did you see what so-and-so wrote on so-and-so's picture? Or did you see what so-and-so just released on their Instagram story? Like, I'm going to hear about it probably within 10 seconds of it happening because somebody is going to, you know, ask for my opinion on it, which I always get. And I'm just like, well, I don't I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about the situation. But, um, yeah, it's a whole other world to watch what's happening on TV, but then know what's going on behind the scenes and know what's going on in the social media world of what's happening on TV, because they can be two completely different things at at, at times. So. God, there's a lot to break down here. It's a wild ecosystem. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Chad, Lizzie, thank you so much uh, for coming on. For those that um, didn't hear earlier, your book is called How to Win the Bachelor, The Secret to Finding Love and Fame on America's Favorite Reality Show. It's up for pre-order now on all the places you can get books. Um, it comes out January 18th of 2022, correct? Is that the exact date? Yeah. You'll, you'll be able to read along while you watch the next season of Bachelor, whoever it's going to be. Clayton. See, seemingly Clayton, Clayton, Clayton Etch. Yeah. We, we got to figure out. We got to figure out how to pronounce the last name. Is it Etchard or is it Eckerd? It's pronounced. It's written E C H A R D. So maybe it's Eckerd, Etchard. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna have to figure that out sometime before the next couple of weeks. When uh, seemingly it's going to be officially announced that um, that he is the Bachelor, and I will. You know, I'm going to try and find out stuff. From Michelle's season of what his role was, why he left, or why he you know didn't get a rose, or did he leave on his own? Like you said, you, mm. you know predictions right now. Uh, right now, you you are written in as uh, Chad. You are saying that you think something causes him to leave, and Lizzie, your prediction is you just think it's a heartbreak storyline where yeah. America loves Optic. him, but Michelle just you know for whatever reason. Michelle couldn't get there with him and lets him go. And it's just going to be America's just going to be like, Oh, we hope, you know, they're going to see his elimination and turn into, we hope Clayton finds love somewhere. And now they're going to know that he's already the bachelor from the second he steps out of the limo. So it will be interesting for sure. Definitely a different approach this year. So thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys are always great to talk to and, um, we will most certainly uh, be in touch going forward. Yeah. Thank you, man. You got it. Thank you so much to Chad and Lizzie for that. Always a great talk with them. I, their their role in this franchise is getting bigger and bigger. Um, and I love the success that they're getting from this show. I think it's great. I think they bring a totally different aspect and uh, perspective to this show that maybe most people don't think about when they are just sitting down and watching this show, but everything they bring up makes sense. It's not like, yes, they have a lot of acronyms for things that maybe you don't understand. They have their own basically dictionary for this show, but it makes sense. And nothing they say, I could ever sit there and be like, no, I don't agree with that in terms of how people play 
this game and what the objectives are. I, I agree with all of it. I just think it's brilliant that they came up with it and have put are going to have a book about it coming out in January of 2022. Like I said, it's called How to Win the Bachelor, The Secret to Finding Love and Fame on America's Favorite Reality Show. You can pre-order it. Uh, you'll see the link on the Apple Podcasts underneath the episode description. It'll be on my website today. So go check that out, pre-order it, and get it in a few months when the next Bachelor season is airing. So please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. Thank you again to Chad and Lizzie for coming on. So for them, I am Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. See you.